everybody and welcome to the latest edition of Infection Control Matters. Uh, today you've got me, Brett Mitchell, and thanks Martin for holding the fort over the last few weeks, doing a great job at conferences uh, around the world. Today we've got Dr. Stefan Bashusha with me, and Stefan is an Associate Professor and Associate Head of School International in the School of Nursing and Midwifery at Deakin University. Uh, he's also a researcher based at Deakin's Institute for Health and Transformation, and he is the President-Elect of the Australasian College for Infection Prevention and Control. Uh, Stefan's got a wealth of experience um, as a registered nurse, a uh, variety of different clinical areas, including critical care, infection control, leadership and management, and, um, and, and also has developed a program of research around infection prevention and control. So welcome, uh, and thanks very much for, for joining us today, Stefan. Well, thanks, Brett. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's our pleasure. Now, today we're going to talk about a paper that, that you led with a team published in Infection, Disease and Health, and it's called Environmental Cleaning and Infection Prevention and Control, the Role of Patient Service Assistance. It's an interesting one, um, Stefan, because we don't see a lot of papers around infection control and, I guess, personal care assistance, environmental services. There's a bit of a dearth of those papers out there, isn't there? No, there is, and I think that's uh, that's the reason why we we wanted to do this project. So this is um, part of um, a student's honors project, mm -hmm. and uh, Jenny Sango was really interested into looking at um, the nurses, so working in oncology, hematology, and looking at the nurses. And then we thought that it also because there's such a focus on obviously um, infection prevention in in this type of setting, we thought mm -hmm. it'd be very interesting to look at. Uh, also interviewing patient service assistants and a, a patient service assistants in Australia. I mean, sometimes they're called porters and I mean, they do. I was going to ask that question. What do they do? In the, in the, so this study was, was done in Melbourne. That's correct, isn't it? That's right. Yes. Yeah. We, so what, what, what was their role in, in this? In, in this case, they probably vary between hospitals, let alone. <laughs> yeah. I, I think it does because um, I mean, having worked in in the UK and Australia, and it's a, it's a it's a role that's not very well defined. I think it's um, I know that in in that setting they would do some portering duties, all the mm. cleaning of the walls, and also um, giving out uh, meals, mm. um, and and being and you know and doing. A little bit of everything and try fetching bloods as well as uh, as was taking result to, to taking bloods to pathology, doing all sorts of things. So they really are doing a lot of things, and um, mm. so you wouldn't think that infection prevention would be to at the forefront. Yeah, really. yeah. Do do they do any um, in in this setting where this study was undertaken? Do they do any personal care to to patients or? Not that I'm aware, yeah. aside from giving out um, drinks and food. I, I don't think they are. But mm. that's what that's what it is very, very difficult. I think it's that I think in other places, in other wards, they would. Yeah. Um, in other parts of Australia, they, they would. And sometimes they'd be called patient care assistant, patient service assistant. So yeah. it's, 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 and I think that, and I think that's probably something that we, that needs defining in Australia. What are these roles and how do they contribute to the to the to the nursing you know, to the caring mm. team? Mm. Mm. Okay, so um, tell us a little bit more about. So I guess going going back a step, you sort of covered a bit there in your in your intro to this, but I guess the genesis for this study and an honors project, and and just to try and learn a little bit more about uh, about the infection control aspects of this of this role. So on on the ward where we we did this study, the um, the ward manager was very very 
did a very, she wanted a lot of um, quality improvement. Mm -hmm. And part of it was looking at um, antimicrobial stewardship. So that's where really we started. We thought they've done this, this project on antimicrobial stewardship. What do nurses actually know of that? Mm -hmm. So we, and then, and then we thought, well, you know, cleaning is a very important part of the infection prevention in, in this setting. So why don't we also see if we can interview? We're going to interview the nurses, then we also serve it. So there is three components to that project. Mm -hmm. We serve it, all the staff, uh, medical staff, and then we decided to interview uh, cleaners to, you know, to have a really wide breadth of expertise and experiences that we captured. The aim of the study then was to ex their experience uh, and understanding of patient safety broadly? Yes. Yeah, patient, uh, really patient safety, but really with a focus on infection prevention and control. So yep. we really, that's, yeah. uh, I, I mean, as you said, it's it's a population that's very, that's understudied in a way. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's uh, the key contributor to patient experience in the hospital, but we don't really ask them what they do mm. and ask them how they feel they contribute to that. So um, now just for the purposes of, of sort of a bit more background for our listeners, this is a, a haematology ward in a, in a large Melbourne hospital. That's yeah, a large yeah. tertiary yeah. setting. Yep. Yeah. Hospital. Before we sort of get to, to some of the participant details and uh, what you did and results, um, how, um, what was your general feeling about when you approached the PSAs to be part of this? You know, this is something they were interested in, in, in being part of? Yeah, they, they were very interested. You know, there was um, on the ward. There's eleven of them employed, and yeah. seven decided to participate. Oh, that's a good um, good strike, right? <laughs> yeah, because and, and the people that didn't uh, that didn't participate were actually on night shift, so you're all <laughs> off. So everybody was really interested. I think they wanted to give their voice. They wanted to to contribute to. Um, to that so this mm. was this was a great response we had from them so so you did some interviews do you want to tell us a little bit about how, what that looked like so we um we did focus groups or group interviews so mm -hmm. sometimes it's a bit um difficult to know whether it's a focus group or group interview so mm. we had we ran three summit structure group interviews really uh with the seven uh participants and we had some really broad question so what do you, what do you know about infection prevention and control? What do you think your role is uh, in infection prevention and control? And um, how do you you know what do you do with that regard with the patient? And how do you interact with staff with regard mm -hmm. to infection prevention and control? So really, we kept it really broad and just wanting to hear what they had to tell us. Yeah. So well, what did they tell you? What did they tell you? Well, they really were aware of that they had the major role and they knew, so the, the ward has uh, different areas where, uh, you know, uh, neutropenic patients are treated. So they really knew the differences between the areas, what they should do in some areas, what they shouldn't do. They knew about uh, contact precaution. They knew about, uh, you know, droplets, all this thing. They knew about it. They saw themselves as playing a major role, especially with regard to the cleaning, making sure everything was not only clean, but also set up if there are any precaution. Uh, this area that they call the bubble, which is the place where the, uh, the uh, neutropenic uh, patients cohorted, mm -hmm. uh, they knew really what to do. Yeah. And um, so that was that was quite really good because you know they, I mean 
there is no formalized training for the PSAs. Yeah. Uh, it's really haddock training they receive. So it was great to see that they were so aware of it. And, um, and whether, you know, it's a reflection of the leadership of the ward, the mm. role modeling of some of the nurses, it's, it's still a really, really good, uh, really good finding to know that they are, they were aware. They really were conscious of what they needed to do, but also the major role they played in protecting patient safety with regard to infection. There's a couple of interesting points there, because um, I think right at the start, you said you had a really interested uh, nurse unit manager. And so I guess you had that initial buy-in and general leadership, it sounds mm-hmm. like, for for this this sort of work and, and patient safety more generally. Yeah, we had, and, and I, I just need to acknowledge Emma, who mm-hmm. unfortunately passed away uh, during the study, but she was oh. key in terms of, of, um, of being the, you know, the, the person leading that as well. Yes, I'm sorry to hear that. So the, the other interesting thing that you sort of also mentioned was the, um, the training that, that perhaps they didn't receive. And that's not unsurprising. We see lots of other studies where we have variations of this theme of PSAs, uh, not, not really getting much training. Um, and yet they seem to grasp this concept. So do you think that was a cultural thing as to, or, or is there informal training that you think goes on there? I, I think there was some basic training and requirement from the, um, from the health service. Mm-hmm. And, and I think the fact that they were, they had such a good uh, leader at the time uh, also um, made them probably more aware Mm. That thing, and they, um, it was very difficult to, to determine what training they had. And I think that's not. Re- I don't think we put that in a paper because I think it's something we had asked. But it was really, really difficult because, um, you know, because there was no no formal training. The people didn't really remember. Didn't really yeah. remember what type of services they've attended, whether they had. Um, I mean, obviously, the, the infection prevention control team is, is around doing some auditing and all this. But yeah. because we did this pre. Um, uh, just before COVID, before actually, COVID yeah, okay. the, the data. No, I mean, it's a good point because, you know, if you ask someone if they get training, particularly if they've been in the institution for some time, they're probably going to say, I don't, know, I don't know or don't recall. Um, I remember when we did um, we did the REACH study, uh, mm-hmm. one of the things we wanted to do is we'd ask that question, but we, we also went to look at the records to say, have you got any documentation? I, mean, I know that wasn't within the scope of this, but mm-hmm. that's yeah. kind of where you get the better answer, I think, as to whether there's a formal process that captures... Uh, people on induction or, or yeah. those types of things. So uh, one of the things I found uh, interesting in the paper, something you raised in the discussion was that, that the PSAs, or maybe they stated or was the thing that came out, they didn't challenge others um, who were yes. not following IPC guidelines. That's right. Uh, so they, yeah. So there was two two things that was really interesting. One of the um, one motivation for the PSA to maintain high standards of infection prevention control was that they felt they were observed by the patients and by the staff. So therefore they were, you know, modeling that the thing. But yes, on the other side, so when they noticed people that didn't do the right thing, they kind of favored maintaining the relationship with that person rather Mm. than telling them because they had some of them had experience negative experience of challenging somebody or star or pay or relatives that weren't uh, following contact precaution mm. or weren't wearing the right uh, PPE. So yeah. that's that's what's really interesting. That to, and 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 then so therefore you know because of the relationship with patient and with relatives, the key part of their job and with staff. So yeah. they prefer to maintain this relationship rather than challenge. But yeah. there's quite a lot of studies as well where patient don't challenge healthcare workers mm. that uh, we know that you know it's very hard if despite 
what the NHS did a few years ago, I mean, maybe 20 years ago, but it's okay to, ha to ask. Yeah. When you look at the data, I mean, the majority of, of patients don't. I mean, I had a, an endoscopy not long ago, and the anesthetist didn't wear any glove or use any antiseptic to put the, the cannula in my hand, and I just couldn't say anything. I yeah. I paralyzed. Yeah, it is funny, isn't it? You do, when you're a patient or a parent with your child and something like that, or your, your mum or dad, or whoever it might be, it, it, you take on a different role uh, to what you might do if you are wearing a uniform and being part of the team. And, and it's, it's a really interesting one that we, we lose that sense of empowerment. Mm. Um, and, and I think it's a really hard one to expect patients. And I know we, we encourage that and welcome that um, engagement but it's a hard one to expect um, patients to do that, to speak up. And I suspect that might well be the same for PSAs. There's a real power imbalance. Exactly. That's what we're going to say, that the power mm. is such that, um, and, you know, I mean, and we've all uh, come across some relatives that want to do the right thing. And then, and some of them are, and especially in, the, in this environment, in oncology, hematology, it's very emotional. People are, you know, are quite unwell. So, they are stressed, relatives are stressed, patients are stressed, and it's sometimes they take it out on staff, which is not right, but so it's it's more difficult, I think, for, so that's why this favouring the personal yeah, relationship yeah. was there. Look, um, where do you see this sort of piece of work going? Like, you know, this is a, this is a you know, it's, people might say, oh, look, you know, one study, one ward, one hospital, and that's the challenge, of course, with a lot of things we do in infection control, but also we're doing qualitative research. These things often spawn to much bigger things and, and much more really important things as well. And and but I'll, before you before you answer, I'd also say that though that these pieces of work are exceptionally uh, important because it's actually hard to do these pieces of work and to get engagement and to get people to express uh, mm. what's going on. So it's really um, a really good piece of work to be able to even achieve that. Um, but it seems to me that there's there's more more for you to explore here. What what are your thoughts on Next steps. Do you know, I mean, think, thinking, is it us that we're not giving, and I know you have done some work in environmental cleaning. Mm. Are we not giving enough place to that in, in infection prevention control? Are we focusing on, I mean, on the important things and clinician, but also, and we've seen that in, um, you know, we've seen that when you don't have the right environmental cleaning, it causes mm. quite, to cause an outbreak, causes mm. some issue in terms of patient safety. So is it that we need to, Keep in mind that cleaning staff, PSAs, BCAs, you know, staff that don't might not have the same level of training that our nurses or medics, also need to have a voice in that, and we need to include them in our in our work. And it's yeah, it's not easy, as you said. Because yeah, no, look, I, I agree with that, Steph. I mean, I think I think um, we haven't really got a, provided a great voice for anyone outside of even even actually clinical staff nurses and uh, midwives, you know, exploring their understanding in that qualitative fashion about environmental cleaning risks. We don't do that a lot. Mm. Uh, and then if you look at that, the, the cleaning stuff, environmental service stuff, PSAs, it's, there's really a dearth of information out there that people can then use to, to try and um, you know, support practice change. So uh, I think, you know, one of the big things that this study has been able to contribute to is to try and give that, that bit of voice to, to a group that otherwise wouldn't, wouldn't normally have it. I, I hope so. And I know that um, when I was talking to people about this study and, and this, this part of the study and the findings, 
I came across some people say, oh, well, you, you won't be able to publish that. It's people are not interested in cleaners. Mm. And I think that's, <laughs> we need to change that. They are part of our team. Yeah, they're, they're, they're critically important. Critically important, vital part. And we see that you know, it falls over when we don't have them. So yeah. they need to have that voice. And yes, we probably, when we design project, when we write our student the grant, but maybe we need to think about including this section of um, absolutely in there. Absolutely. Look, um, thanks so much for your time and, and coming on thanks. the podcast and having a chat about this paper. And I wish you and your, your team and uh, the best with the other parts of the project that intertwine with this too. Thanks, Brett. Um, and look, thank you very much to our listeners for, for joining us in this latest edition of Infection Control Matters. And uh, until next time, it's bye from me.